Ladies and gentlemen, this one right here, I'm excited for. I've watched this gentleman all the time putting out his videos. I love his reactions to things. The bull Horvat one was no exception um, right here, <laughs> right now. I want to make sure I don't butcher it, though. Is it Shukri Wrights? Yes, it is. You nailed it. Boom. Very, very happy to have you tonight. Uh, this guy right here, obviously, the Boston Bruins. At least play them tomorrow night. That's why we're having him on to preview that. But before we get there, Chukri, I want to know, how did you get into hockey? What draws you to hockey? I got to know these questions before we jump in and pick your brain on the bad Bruins. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad that you asked. Um, what got me into hockey was first initially the fighting. I mean, I was a young uh, kid growing up in New York City, New York. Um, and I was just drawn to like the fighting in the sport in the in the early 2000s where I know it was a different era of hockey. But once I really began to understand uh, the nuance of the sport, the little intricacies and, and so forth about the sport and as well as like the in-game gamesmanship that happens, it really suckered me in where it, I just became attracted to the sport like, yo, I got to date this sport, man. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do know that this was something that, um, like, growing up in New York, once I really became hooked to the drama of the sport, but especially the Stanley Cup playoffs, that was that was it for me. Um, and that's where, it, like, it really began. Like, me, you know, like watching, like, Rangers and Devils and the Islanders growing up in New York, that's where – that's the local uh, teams. But, I mean, New York City, it's Rangerstown, like, obviously being a – a fellow original six um, team as well. Like that's what drew me in. And, and as well as like following the, the Bruins from afar, which I did for um, for a while before I moved to Boston as well. So what got you into the Bruins? If you're from New York, you would figure that, that allegiance would follow you obviously. Cause a lot of people, they get locked into a team. They're locked in, no matter where they go, that's mm -hmm. their team. Um, so what drew you to the Bruins? Obviously they're big, they're bad, they're nasty, they're mean. But yeah. what else drew you into the Bruins? You know, it's interesting because, like, even when I was in New York, I rooted for both the Rangers and the Bruins, but I chose to start to, to simply go, to go with the Bruins. And the reason, and it's going to directly answer to your question, is because I just fell in love with the way that they play. Like, those late 2000s Bruins, they were they were the team that that really – had to build around the identity of what made them successful in years past physical skill and, and goaltending that was going to win you games. Like we talk about the physicality of obviously uh, future hall of famer Zidane Char, um, Sean Thornton, big part of that. And then a young Milan Lucci, she was drafted oh, in, um, in, 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 in like in, in those, in those six, he came up in um, during the 07, 08 season, um, all, all that fun stuff. And, you know, you know, like not leaving anybody else, but Andrew Fernandes had a large part to do with that as well. Yep. And, you know, Tim Thomas, obviously the, the legend himself, the Santa Cup winning the concept winning in 2011. So that was really what drew me to the to the Bruins was their style of play, like their physicality, their, their willingness to drop the gloves and their willingness to stand up for each other. And and it was like that that family type of atmosphere where not in so much in the sense of oh my god like the blood the blood and gore no but like you you mess with me you mess with all of us and yeah. there was a game that i remember this was in january of 2011 it was against the, the dallas stars it was three fights in four seconds which was an nhl record it was stuff that i vividly remember yeah. and i'm like yeah this is this is my team this is these are my guys <laughs> like i mean like you, you had Sean Thornton dropping the gloves. You had, I mean, Lucci dropping the gloves. Like I just remember that 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 game, and as well as that moment that that turned out to be was an NHL record um, at the yeah. time, and it still holds to this day. So that's what got me into the Boston Bruins. Hooked. Like I mean, there's no divorce. Like no matter what happens, like that is that is my heart and soul. So that is the team now. Like I just said, you know, you left New York. Obviously now you're Bruins. Yeah. So if you went anywhere else in the U.S. or even Canada. The Bruins will still be the colors you 5, wear. Five thousand percent. Five thousand percent. Yeah. There's a guy on the Bruins I want to ask you about. He's a, he's from my neck of the woods right here. I'm in East Coast Canada. I'm ah. in I'm in Cole okay. Harbor, Nova Scotia. Shout mm. out to uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, and obviously okay. the Bedford boy Brad Marchand. Yeah. Um, but Brad Marchand, you love him on your team, but yeah. you hate him if you're anyone else. What's the experience like with Marchand? 
and sometimes the antics that he gets into, Shukri. I want to know because I know on our team, when some guys cross the line a little bit too much, you're like, man, just park it for a minute and let us get to where we need to go. But sometimes I know Marshan can go over that arch. I remember mm-hmm. when he, I think he licked, it was Killorn in the playoffs. No, it was it was Ryan Callahan in, in the Callahan, 2018 yes. playoffs, yeah. Yeah, when he did those kind of things, and then there's some of the things he does, like slew foots and stuff like that, and just right. gets the stuff that he does that pushes the envelope a little bit too much. And some teams, Michael Bunting of the least for one of them, know how to get him going a little bit more. Do you ever wish that he would pump those brakes, or do you love the fact that he's 100% all the time? I love the fact that he's 100%. Like, I mean, he is one of the true heartbeats of the Boston Bruins. And for me, the, the way I look at it with Marshan is that he, he's changed a lot of the last couple of years. Yeah. Where he, he still has that fire, but he's not up in his answers as much as he was maybe four years ago, even. True, true. So when I look at Marshan, I look at a guy that realizes that he is one of the leaders on this Bruins team that has had a strong locker room over the course of the last. 15 years, like we talked about Sedano Char, the, uh, the predecessor to Patrice Bergeron, who's obviously the captain now of the Bruins. And you talk about like Ferentz, who was an ultimate captain, Krejci, who was, who was part of that, that core, that's the cup winning core as well. And, and Marshan, who's also now a captain himself on the team. I look at Marshan and he realized that, you know what? I am too good. I am too skilled of a player to, to, to get into these antics. But I have no problem putting my foot up of someone's rear end. You know what? If it needs to be. So yeah. that's Marshan. And I have no problems with that. You don't really see the antics as much anymore. And he's done really a, a marvelous job of cleaning up um, his act. Although that that's forever going to stay with him for the remainder of his career. I mean, it yeah. is what it is. But he really has done a tremendous job of like really cleaning that up over the last few years of, of his career where He's really a top three left winger in all of hockey. No, I won't disagree with you. Like I said, he's the player that you love on your squad, but you hate because he's on the other team. Um, I like the maturity he has to when being asked before, when he was asked about either the Leafs or another team, his yeah. answers would be kind of like shots or barbs. But now he's kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say passing the torch, but saying nice things about the Leafs, nice thing about fan bases and stuff, where before it would be more of a spice to it. So I don't know if that's him just being mature and just trying to, you know, curry a little favor here and there so people don't go after him so much. But I agree with you. He definitely has stepped up the maturity side of things. And I think after that conversation that was had, that famous one with Bergeron and Chara both taking him aside, I don't know what season it was. It was a few seasons ago. And basically, after, I was after the 2018 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs with that whole fiasco with Marshall on licking Ryan Callahan's face. Yeah. Yeah, and basically just telling him, bring it down, because you are one of the leaders on this team. You are a prominent player, and if you're not on the ice, it's hurting us more than it's benefiting us. And, you know, he's definitely seen that. And you're right, there still is that red mist, like we used to say for Kadri here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And when he sees the red mist, it's done. It doesn't matter. You're not reeling him in. It's done. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the kind of player that, listen, to be honest with you, and I'm not going to talk crap, uh, please, but you need that kind of player on your team come to Stanley Cup playoffs. And yep. I feel like that's the number one ingredient that the Maple Leafs have missed over the last now decade is that you have the skill. There's never been a, a question of lack of skill. You don't have grit. And Marshan, as you mentioned, and we, and we all as hockey fans know, this is the kind of guy that you love to have in your team but you hate that 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 he if you're on the if you're on the opposite side. But yep. the reality is, like for example, and I look at specifically this core of Maple Leafs hockey, where you have Mitch Marner, you got Austin Matthews, William Nylander, um, and and as well as like Morgan Riley as well. And I, and I include him in that core as well. The number one thing that I look at that has been missing with this core is not so much. The curse. The curse is obviously a big part of the the anchor that has that has basically held them back from getting to that next level. It is the fact that Stanley Cup playoffs and regular season hockey are two entirely different games. Teams that have grit, teams that have physicality, teams that have guys that are not afraid to push that envelope. What what do they do? They typically they typically win. Even the Colorado Avalanche last year when they won the Stanley Cup. 
They had guys like that. They had a guy, a cadre on their team. Skill player, but he also has great, unfortunately, work in Toronto, but in Colorado, it paid massive dividends. And you saw that during the Santa Cup um, finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning, in which that I do think that the Maple Leafs, if they had a Brad Marchand, it would put them over the top. The only thing that would worry me, especially for this current Maple Leaf team now, is the goaltending. And I mean that. That's the only thing that worries me. But also, like, they could they, you know, use a, a, a defenseman? Sure. But but as far as having that grit, you you need that come to playoffs. And that's why a guy like Marshan is so important. Well, I've been beating the drum, and I know he's a little bit uh, long in the tooth. He's not over the hill, so to speak. 31 years old is not too mm-hmm. over the hill. I'm 36 myself, so I don't want to say anybody over 30 is over the hill. But a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, you bring him into the Maple Leafs organization. He has that grit. He has that physicality. He has that snarl pushback that the Leafs need. The only thing I don't think he really has is the uh, the beak, really, to go after and chirp guys and get under their skin. But they have a Michael Bunting that if you have him out there with O'Reilly, that's servicing it right there. And another guy that I look at, too, for the Leafs to possibly bring in off the St. Louis Blues is Noel Achari on the bottom six. Another guy that likes to hit everything, physical, you talk about grit, that guy has it in spades. And then yeah. you're able to just upgrade that lineup. I agree with you. They need a little bit more. The skill's there. They need a little bit more. But I look at last year's playoffs, and I say they went seven games with Tampa and went toe-to-toe with them. It was just game seven where they just, for whatever reason, can't get out of their own way. They just can't. A game seven in the Maple Leafs is like oil and water. It just they're bound to be separated because the Leafs are never going to win one. So they got to do it in six. They had two opportunities to do it. They didn't put the lightning away. That stung more than anything. Even they, And they had a massive opportunity to do it in game six. That's the thing that yeah. I think Leafs fans shouldn't forget. Like you had an opportunity in game six. You're up in that, in that third period. You didn't yeah. put them away. So, it, I, so I don't think it's – you could point it at, as a curse, but I don't blame the curse at all. I honestly blame it as like you don't know how to finish in the playoffs. And that is and that is the God honest truth, because teams that know how to finish in the playoffs, you don't let a one goal lead like evaporate. Although the two goal lead is the most dangerous lead in hockey. We all know that. But you don't let that just like slide away, especially against a team that you know that you give them that second life. That's it. And all it takes is we all know in game seven, anybody can be the hero. I'm sure the name Nick Paul is cursed in Toronto, but that's that was that that was last year's version of Patrice Bergeron in 2013. Yeah, for the for the Maple Leafs. So that's why you you got you need grit. You need you need to learn how to close. And who knows what happens this year? And I think that one of the most fascinating aspects of what we are now in the official second half of the season. Yep. You pretty much know you're going to face Tampa Bay. No matter what. No matter what. You know that for a fact. But the thing that I also look at, if you beat the Lightning, guess who awaits in the second round? The Boston Bruins. Yeah. So it's like, pick your poison. Yeah. If you, if, if, listen, if, if Kyle Dubas is going to make a move, like between now and the trade deadline, you better make the, the right moves. I'm serious. You better make the right moves because it's not lack of skill. It's not lack of scoring. You don't need any more of that. You already have that in spades. You need grit. You need players. Like you were talking about Nola Chari. We as Bruin fans, we know Nola Chari is the kind of player that you want to have. He was a vital part of that 2019 run for the Bruins to get to the, onto the Santa Cup finals. Yep. That type of player will benefit you massively. If you can get a player like Ryan O'Reilly, yes, he's won a, he's won a cup. He was a consummate winner in 2019 when the Blues beat the Bruins, unfortunately, in the Santa Cup Finals. Yep. So with that being said, I do think that Kyle Dubas is going to have some major questions and decisions to, to make between now and the trade that line. Who do you go after and and what will, what will be the cost that you'd be willing to, to spend on getting that play that you you're gonna need because this is really truly I really believe do or die 
for this core if they don't get out of the first round? I, I think it's more do or die for Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keith, and Brendan Shanahan more than any of Because they're players. all without contract for next year. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I really think that it's more for them because I don't think you're going to give up on an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner or a William Nylander. You may look to move a John Tavares uh, if you can try to move that salary and put that somewhere. But I do yeah. agree with you. I look at it like this too. Kyle Dubas is playing it smart this trade deadline. He's telling everyone my first and Matthew Nyes are not available. Those are not things I'm going to move. Now, obviously, we all know that if you want to make any impact move, those have to be on the table to, to make a deal. But what he's doing is reverse setting the market for his own assets, letting people know that, no, I'm not going to trade this. So when someone comes knocking on the door, you know, he said, well, I'll give you one or the other, not both. You know, because everything was Timo Meyer. It's going to take a first and nice. This is going to take a first and nice. So then it now feels like a GM is getting something from Dubas if he says, okay, I'll let the first go. Mm-hmm. The first can be in the deal because he's already set that high bar that I'm not doing it. So now he tells GMs, all right, well, you can get the first. And then that GM's like, oh, we got it. We got something working here. We can yeah. figure it out. So it's reverse setting the market by Dubas, which is smart because not a lot of GMs play that. Reverse because, psychology. Yeah, just kind of setting things up for himself. I and mean, he's done that a lot. You know, you look at the moves that he makes. But yeah. for me, this team, the Leafs team, definitely without Austin Matthews, you can already see they need an addition in the top six. That's not hard to see. And what happens in the playoffs? You have injuries. It just happens. Mm-hmm. So you're going to need someone to step in. The bottom six, what I've liked this year, though, is we've been able to next man up it within the organization. Now, yeah. stepping it up with a guy like Noel Shari or a Sam Lafferty from Chicago, something of that nature would be great. But we do have internal options. They're not as physical, but you don't know what they bring either because they haven't really had a chance. But I think this year, I think if they get past the first round, they're a wagon that you want to get hitched to because I don't think they're going to be stopping. I think once that weight is off their shoulders, it's going to be a completely different team. It's going to be fascinating because I feel as if that if the Leafs finally are able to get past the first round, which is which is a real possibility. You know, it's funny. Last year, I had this discussion in which that I said, listen, Bruins fan aside, I have said this for years in sports, and that is every dog has its day. Yep. Every time that you think that is never going to happen, all it takes is just that small crack in the door before it becomes a jarred. And when it does happen, you've seen it in sports how when you're finally able to get over the hump, it changes everything. We've seen this in, in the NBA. Jordan cannot win against the Pistons for a, a good couple of years before he finally broke through in 91. Yep. Like, you, the Chicago Cubs could not win a championship or get past the NLCS since 1945. They, couldn't have, they, they didn't win a pennant since 1945 prior to 2016. You saw that with the Red Sox. Yeah. Could not win the World Series. So teams that have had long withstanding curses and they've had those those that that big huge block that they haven't been able to overcome, once that gets removed, all bets are off, which is why I feel like I'm in the school in which that if the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning this spring, if it was to happen, I think the Bruins and Light in the Leafs in the, in round two, if it happens, could potentially be an all-time great playoff series. I really do because because I've I felt this way for a long time. My concern isn't about Austin Matthews' ability to perform in the playoffs. My concern isn't about Mitch Marner, although he had the one year where he was absolutely terrible. Yeah. In the, in the postseason. But my concern with him isn't his ability to post, perform in the Santa Cup playoffs. It's their ability to get out of the first round. And if they do, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time again. Well, that's what they call playoffs magic voodoo, right? Look at the LA it's Kings. the greatest thing in sports. Three. It really is. Yeah. It just, it's wild. And that's what I think for the Maple Leafs. You get over that hump. You release that mental hurdle. 
then you don't know what's next. But one thing that I will say about this iteration this year of the Maple Leafs Mm -hmm. is the buy-in is different than last year. I agree. I've noticed that in in the games that I watched, um, like for the Maple Leafs here here in the States, where it just seems like they're – I didn't see that. I didn't see that last year where they were completely bought into the system. They had faith like this. This year, it just seems like guys like Wayne Simmons have really helped lead the way. Like the veterans of, of this team. Like, yeah, you can call Austin Matthews like a veteran. I mean, obviously, yeah, he is at this point. But yep. also about the guys that have been there, like that have been in the league for a long time and have been part of the heartbreaks of the last few years. I mean, I don't have to remind you about 2021, how you blew a three, three, three to one series lead against Montreal. I mean, pardon me if I ruffle your feathers a bit, but <laughs> the reality is, the reality is that guys have been part of the heartbreaks and the disappointments in Toronto over the last, let's say, five, five or six years. Now they know. Now they don't listen. We got to buy in. Otherwise, this, this is not going to work. And, and this year, you've seen a different attitude with this team. I feel like the bounce back from the maddening losses that the Leafs have had, it's, it's, really, it's really been noticeable. Well, one player in particular for me that a lot of people seem to, to use as a lightning rod in Toronto for a long time was William Nylander. And I know that he's not perfect by any stretch mm. of the media. I know someone listening to this is going to be you know, in my comments very quickly. But for me, Nylander this year is more of a complete player. Yes, the offense is booming, but he's also yeah. getting back on back checks. He'll never be a guy that goes into the corner. He's not built for that. He's not built to go and take big hits, but he is dishing no. some. He's doing some of those little things that you want him to do. He's winning special puck battles that are just so minute in the game that people don't pay attention to him, but it turns the tide. And the other guy for me is Austin Matthews. His 200-foot game has grown immensely. And this year, even yeah. with the whatever injuries he's got, he's still putting it on display and saying, listen, I don't need to put up all the points. I want to win. It matters more to win than to be the MVP, than to have a scoring title. I want to win. And he said that at the exit interviews last year. He was pissed. He basically said the awards he's winning, they don't mean anything if you don't win at the end of the year. So he wants that big, shiny trophy, not the little one. So I like the buy-in. And, of course, Mitch Marner, same thing. And JT's always been that way, so I don't have to bring him up. But Mm -hmm. the Leafs need to figure it out. I think goaltending, you say it may be something you're worried about. I think Ilya Samsonov is really showing the world that maybe Washington shouldn't have gave up on him. Looking pretty good. And Matt Murray, I think Matt Murray is going to end up on the LTIR. And the Leafs are going to use that cap space to make moves. And Joe Wool will be the backup here. I just got a weird feeling. And another thing, <laughs> tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat going on now. I think that Jake Muzzin, I think Jake Muzzin plays in the playoffs. I think he pulls a uh, Nikita Kucherov, but I'll, I'll caveat and I'll say it'll be like a Shea Weber, Carey Price, last hurrah. He's too important to this team. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, he's too important to that blue line because, like, you talk about the Maple Leafs um, blue line and, and you and you were better know than I would. I look at Jake Muzzin and Morgan Riley as the, the, the two catalysts there. Like, and, and I just think that a guy like Jake Muzzin, who was one Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings, you need that. You talk and about the if grit. he's able to come back, come back healthy for the playoffs, I mean, what a lift that would be. I mean, it would be, I think, like an enormous lift, especially – um, where everything, every little thing is going to matter so much more. The back checking, the especially the, the the four checks, and being able to um to create offense, especially if it's a tight checking game. You need you need those things to like to be at its optimum. And if you if your blue line is healthy and you have a healthy Jake Muzzin, I do think he could play a big role. As to whether this team could actually make like advance past the first round in the playoffs. Well, I think so. And the way that I've always been, uh, you know, dovetailing this and making sure that it's understood what I'm trying to say is you bring Jake Muzzin back if he's 100% healthy. But at the first inclination of something being wrong, his health and family is paramount. He's out. Doesn't matter if he thinks he's A-OK or OK. It's the first sign of it. You got to go. 
but you bottom pair him, you put him on the PK, yeah. you have him be a net front clearing presence. He's not your first or second pair guy, but you have him out there. And just the way the guys played for Shea Weber in Montreal, I think mm-hmm. the Leafs would elevate their game for Jake Muzzin the same way, wanting to just do the extra mile. And if you run through it, you have Riley and Brody. Brody's a stabilizer. Mark Giordano, hello, rolling the clock back, looking great. You put mm-hmm. him with a guy like Lilligren, and then you got Sandine and Muzzin. I mean, that's not too shabby. Or you go and pick up someone to play with Jake Muzzin as a shelter guy. And you have a Muzzin Light and Jordy Ben as well <laughs> who can throw the knuckles and hit. And that's what I've been calling him. He is Muzzin Light. He, he does not have the hockey IQ that Jake Muzzin does, but he has mm-hmm. the physicality, the grit, and can clear the front of your net on the penalty kill. And really, sometimes in the playoffs, that's what you need. Just a guy to be and an James, speak, And speaking of um, of Mark Giordano, the guy doesn't age. Like, the guy does not age at all. Like, he's like the classic grizzled defenseman who, with age, seems to get better. And it's like, I haven't seen, like, a drop-off in this game at all this year. And again, I've watched a number a number of, of, of Leaf games um, here in the States where – I'm like, he doesn't look like he's lost a step at all. Like, I mean, this is also a former Norris Trophy winner as well. So I do think that, as you mentioned, like, and I completely forgot about TJ Brody. My apologies, but, man, that's not a bad blue line at all. Like, I mean, in fact, I'll even go as far as to say that I'd be willing to take one of those guys and replace one of our defensemen here with with the Bruins. Just just, just one. That's like i mean that that that's just like me being being honest being nice like i mean don't get me wrong like i would rather controversial opinion i would rather have a mark giordano than than a Matt Grizzlick. that's just me in terms of just pure hockey skill yep i'll, I'll take giordano in the playoffs over Grizzly. that's but that's just me well one thing that I, too you talk about ageless it seems like every time he blocks a shot he gets another boost of energy because, I mean, this guy's blocking shots that put a lot of guys down. His body's got to be black and blue because he's Question. in front of everything. Where is he ranked? He's got to be highly ranked either on his team or among the league leaders in terms of defensemen, like by, by defensemen shot blocks and whatnot. I know he's, he's number be one there. on the Leafs. He's number one on the Leafs. Uh, yeah. Second is Justin Hall. So, Not surprised. Do, do with that what you will. Everyone on this in this fan base – has written off Justin Hall. Cannot wait for him to get out of your lineup. But a $2 million <laughs> right-handed shot defenseman that eats shots and is great at shot suppression. But it's that that old yeah. syndrome, though. As soon as a player is labeled a certain way and they make one mistake mm-hmm. a game, it could just be one, they can make 50 yeah. great plays. But they make one bad play. It's deep. Look what Justin Hall did. Justin mm-hmm. Hall did it again. right? And, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I call it the five-minute muffin. By Justin Hall, because always in the last five <laughs> minutes of the first game, he flicks a muffin up the glass and it doesn't get out. It's a light clear, and someone gobbles mm. that muffin up and they score, right? So if he can get that out of his game, I mean, I'm a little bit happier about it. But a $2 million right-handed shot defenseman, you're not getting much better than what Justin Hall brings for that price tag. And the Leafs don't have a lot of cap space, as we know. It's been very well documented. They're very top-heavy. Mm-hmm. But – I like what they've got. Obviously, like I said, I think they bring in something up top. What do you think the Boston Bruins do? Obviously, Bo Horvat now off the table. Timo Meyer is something that's been rumored. Jake DeBrusque, by the way, coming back way faster than anyone thought he would be. Um, but what do the Bruins do here? What are they bringing in? I made a video earlier, and I talked about the Bruins' number one target, I do think, is a defenseman. They need depth. And not to say that they don't have it, but I am genuinely, now mark my words, on January 31st, February 1st, I am genuinely worried about the health of this team come March because this team is going to be playing a boatload of games every other night. In March, you may want to look, James. You may want to look at the schedule. I mean, I, I'm genuinely worried because listen, the injury bug as of late has not been very, very kind in particular to the Boston Bruins. We, I mean, Jake DeBrus is out, 
I mean, Tomas Noshak losing him at, 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 at one point was um was a pretty it was a sneaky big blow for the bottom six, and I am concerned that the war of attrition is going to take its toll. Like I really am. Like especially when you begin to play at a higher frequency rate, like that they are going to be playing come March. You need depth. You need guys that's going to be able to like block shots and and be a player a physical game. And I think Luke Shin is that kind of guy. I th- he's a defensive currently for the Vancouver Canucks. I yep. think the Bruins should absolutely be on that guy. Yes, I've had Bruin fans literally tell me like, "Well, we need another forward." I'm not worried about the forwards. I'm worried about the blue line because <laughs> yeah. it seems like at the worst time that there's there's some sort of injury that happens for uh, to the Boston Bruins to one of his key players on the blue line. It happened earlier this year with, with Matt Grizzlick. I mean, he, he missed time um, and went out to begin the year. Like, and, and McAvoy missed time as well. I just wonder, come March, who's going to get hurt? Because Brandon Carlo is an injury waiting to happen. And I need someone, an, a seventh defenseman, who can block shots, who's, who, who can be a lot more physical than what Brandon Carlo is because he's big for nothing. That's going to be a benefit for the Boston Bruins. So for me, give me a Luke Shen. I'm not worried about the scoring in terms of any of his four lines. We're the deepest team in the league offensively. We can roll out any of the lines and and, and be able to put the puck in the back of the net. So I'm not worried about that. No, no. I Listen, I could definitely see the injury thing creeping in. I'm looking at the schedule. And February is a little kinder to the Bruins. Still a lot of games. March is you- ruthless. When you get to March 9th, it is every other night mixed in with back-to-backs throughout there all the way from March 9th to April 2nd. Then you don't have another game until April 6th. So in that time, there's one spot where you guys are playing like – I think it's like five games in seven nights. Like seven days, correct, correct. Mm -hmm. That's insanity. That's why I'm like, I'm scared. Okay. I'm genuinely scared. Like this, that you kind of start sc- sitting some guys. I think you got to start like load management needs to be a word here yes. for the Bruins, like a Patrice Bergeron who's up there. Patrice too. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit some guy and I'm a Leaf fan, but I'm big on the load management thing. If my other guys were here tonight, uh, shout out to Pete. Who's not feeling the greatest today. Uh, and Dylan, who's actually working the night shift. Um, but, they would be laughing because load management is something I've preached. I said it for Jake Muzzin at the beginning of the year before he got hurt. Thought it was something that would be smart. Same with Giordano. But mm-hmm. I think you start to look at that. With all of those games, mix in some pieces. See who yeah. you have. See who may be a good depth option for you come the playoffs. But it's just wild. Looking through that schedule, you guys got a gauntlet coming up. And that is yeah. a, that, I complain as a Leaf fan. That is greasy from the 9th to the 2nd of april that's just that's a buzzsaw man it is that that could really set you guys back for the playoffs coming out of that that's why that's why i said get get you get a defenseman like luke shin i think he'd be the number one target and after that if if you can get another like an additional forward maybe even then they're up against the cap they don't have really much of um a whole lot of cap space at all so we'll we'll see We'll see. Well, another thing we'll see is tomorrow night, obviously, these two lock horns yet again, the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We know what happened the last time, uh, the Leafs falling to the Bruins on a Saturday night. What do you see that may be different on this one? I'm thinking we're going to see a little bit of sloppy hockey by both teams. And I say that because a lot of guys' minds are on the warmer climates and being with their families and shutting down hockey for the bye week and just taking their time and enjoying what they have off. So I don't think it'll be pinpoint accuracy, but what are your thoughts on tomorrow night's game? This is the big game for the Bruins in the sense that this is the first time this season they've gone into a slump. They lost three in a row. And I've spent some time this week already trying to calm the minds of Bruin fans here in Boston and across New England and elsewhere. Um, that hey, you can't have you cannot have honestly expected this team not to go through some sort of test. Yeah, that's a, that's absurd. We were we were basically racking up points, like you were going shopping at 
JC Penny or or, or or Star Market, and you were just they were like they were going out of style, like yeah. at a pace that we haven't seen since what the 1940s Montreal Canadiens, which is which is truly absurd. Now, I'm I'm always been of, of the belief that I would rather have this happen now in late January, early February, than it's be April. Yep. Because adversity now is a good thing. If they lose tomorrow, I will still be preaching, I'm not worried. They're, they're, they're in the all-star break now. They have the bye week, so to speak. Yep. They're going to be fine. Time to After heal the all-star game, they, they won't be back in actually so long, I believe, February, February 11th. Same so, thing yeah. Yeah, like, so, if, if anything else, I look at the, I look at this game and I say, listen, this is the game that they're going to play a lot better. I still think that there's a part of me that has this funny feeling where they might lose. I'm not hoping they lose, but they might lose because it's the All Star break. But this team is so this team and the leadership group is so proud, like they're yep. so prideful that the focus will be there. I think they'll play a complete sixty game. A sixty-minute um, game tomorrow night, but I do think that this is this is a game that I think they'll play a lot better than they did against Carolina. But they might lose. They might. I. I mean, I. I know I'm going to get booed, but I'm not. I'm not afraid to get booed. I'm, no, I'm I mean, listen, keep it real. That's the best way to be, right? So that way you don't get radioed on things either. I look at tomorrow night. Like I said, I do think there's one guy in the Leafs that really uh, wants to stick it to not being an All Star, and that's William Nylander. He's been mm. on an absolute tear. Uh, I really thought he might be the replacement for Austin Matthews uh, going to the All-Star with the votes, but he wasn't. But, um, yeah, I, mm. I look at tomorrow night and I say, I want the Leafs to pick this one up. I want to close the gap on the Bruins. No one's catching the Bruins. No one's catching the Bruins. Like Any idea that you have, James, of, of you catching the Bruins, listen, you might as well go kiss the cup from 1967. Like... You go travel back 50, now 56 years. Like, it's not happening. It's okay. Like, we, don't, we don't need to catch the Bruins. One thing that I will say, I, I like to be closer to the Bruins. I should say that. I want to be in the same right. echelon, stratosphere. Nine points back is not bad for a team that's been as hot as the Boston Bruins. Um, I also want to keep the gap against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want home ice for the Leafs when they play the playoffs. I want that. The sinister thought in my mind just crept in. I'm like, what if you just went on a bad slump and you fell right into a position where it's like, guess you who you got in the first round? <laughs> oh, Boston. Imagine. Us? Imagine. And hey, then, you- I'm, you, imagine this is why Boston, Toronto in the first round, for those I don't know, it's almost like a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage of glory and joy for us Bostonians and wrath and anger and, and frustration for Leafs fans. Because if you know that you're going to a game seven, which is at <laughs> TD Garden, you know that it's a loss written in stone. Like Matt, it's, Murray, it's Matt just, Murray says hello. Matt Murray says hello. I can't hear you with my two Stanley Cup rings. I'm going in the net and I'm going to shut you down. That's the least kryptonite right there. Okay. The least kryptonite. Okay. Like Matt, like Matt Murray can say hello with his two Stanley Cup rings, but he but he can't exercise the demons that are inside TD Garden for the Maple Leafs. This goes back now 10 years. Listen, Listen you know I, I, I hate to be that guy, but the truth is, is that if that would have happened, and, we, and obviously we're talking hypotheticals here, no if way. that would have happened, I mean, whew. What a story that would be, but I mean that would be a colossal disappointment for the Bruins if they if that if they lost in the first round, no matter who they play. But if but if it's the Leafs and Bruins, but I mean, come on, the <laughs> rate ratings in itself. Listen, it's gonna write a story one day. They what are, what do they say? Right, you gotta get over the hump. The hump for the Leafs right now is the first round. So we beat Tampa. We have to play Boston because I really think that Boston is gonna beat the Buffalo Sabers, which it may look like that's the team you guys are gonna face. Which so would be really kid. an amazing story in its own right. I mean, yeah. Buffalo coming into the year, like, who would have thought? I mean, you knew that, listen, and this is all respect to the Buffalo Sabres. Like, we all knew going into the season, like, they have some pretty damn good pieces there. Tate yep. Thompson has come into his own. I mean, oh, 
my God, what a year yeah. he's having. Rasmus Dahlin is right now, in my opinion, a top five young defenseman in this league. Yep. And I'm he's talking that stride. I'm talking about like 25 and younger. Obviously, Kale McCarr is at the top, a top of the of, of that of the crim uh, for me. But yep. Rasmus Dahlin is right in that group, in my opinion. Like the growth that he's shown this season has been absolutely amazing. And then also, I mean, man, if you told me that the overall culture surrounding that surrounding this team, especially um Dylan Cousins, yep, who the step that they've, they've made so far this season forward amazing but that really would be one hell of a story if they end up making the Seneca playoffs ending their what will be a 12-year drought because they haven't made the playoffs since 2011 when Ryan Miller was still uh above Buffalo Sabres who's the who's the they just retired the other night yeah yeah so that's it yeah it tells you something right there what was the stat the other day there is no active NHL player I think that has played the Buffalo Sabres in the playoffs in the NHL anymore correct which is like yeah, wow. that makes your makes your eyes pop out a little bit. But just imagine, just imagine this one. We talk hypotheticals. The yeah. upstart Boston Bruins or the Buffalo Sabers beat the Boston Bruins. Then you got Toronto Buffalo second round if Toronto knocks off Tampa. That is truly, if if that happened, out, I mean, I would just want to rip out my heart and just eat it raw. Um, but if that happened, I'm just thinking pure hockey regional rivalry toronto buffalo you can't get any closer than that no i mean it's the qew series is what we call it yeah i mean enlighten me as to what what is key q it's the highway it's basically the highway it's a highway highway between between the two right so that's what they would call gotcha like i mean just thinking about like wow really toronto buffalo that that would be something and Man, I actually want Buffalo to make the playoffs. It's good for the league. It's time that Santa Cup playoffs return back to Buffalo. I mean, it's they're doing that 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 young group there. They are so they're so like overdue. It's not even funny. But I hope that that they do make the playoffs. But you never know what can happen. Well, again, there's so many teams that are in the thick of it, right? I mean, I don't think. Buffalo's going to do anything to really upgrade what they have too, too much. So yeah. you never know. They could drop back down. And there's teams below them, like the Washington Capitals. I was just thinking know. about them too. You know, Caps are there, Pens. Lots of different teams that can move up that will want to get in. The Florida Panthers. You know, another team that's the dropped Panthers like a are lot. the biggest disappointment in the league this year. The day. Calgary, it is, it's it's really Florida. a head-scratcher how they were the President's Trophy winning team last year. Yep. And they made the big trade with with Calgary during the offseason. Mm-hmm. And and somehow, somewhere, they've taken two sets backwards. Both teams. Both teams. Calgary and Both teams have, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a trade. There's, there's always a theory that a trade maybe benefits both teams. It works out on both sides. This mm-hmm. is one where, okay, yeah, Tuchuk is doing great in Florida, but the team's not. So you, you see how important Huberto and Uyghur were. And then you could see how much him and Goudreau meant to the Calgary Flames because those Absolutely. two players are gone and it changed the culture. They thought they'd switch in Calgary and Huberto, Calgary be great. But it just looks like both teams took step back on what they did. And I mean, I understand Calgary's point of view. We got to recoup assets and make sure that we keep what we have kind of rolling and bringing in Huberto and Uyghur in theory, that's huge. That's huge. Your back end gets bolstered. You replace to Chuck. Then you get Kadri. You kind of replace a little bit of what Goudreau brought. And then you yeah. hope your young guys elevate, but they didn't. They didn't. And, that, and that's been the biggest the biggest gap between this year's Calgary Flames team and last year. Whereas, like, you saw, like, some of the, the younger guys there. And it was obviously you have the veteran leadership um, in, in Calgary. But the young guys didn't take that next step. And sometimes when, when you go year to year, you're thinking that the young guys are going to take that next step. The reality is that's not always the case. No. And when you don't, and you don't have players that can supplement that, it's usually tough sledding. Because the West, I mean, I, yes, the West is not as stacked as the East as it, as it currently stands. But still, you, 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 you really got to be thinking, if you're – 
as we're now a few days away from the All-Star game and from the from yep. All-Star weekend, if you had to flip a coin, James, which team is the most disappointing in the NHL so far? Florida or Calgary? I'm going Florida because you lost a lot in trading away Eric Wegar, who was a big part of the identity of last year's Florida Panther team that could have won the that could have won the cup. Could have if they got past Tampa Bay. If they got Probably past Tampa. To Tampa Bay yet again. But you gotta remember round. too. Here's the other thing, too. Is the Florida Panthers only didn't make that trade, but they also brought in um Claude Giroux. Well, no, they brought in a different coach this year. Paul Maurice That's is the right. coach. You're they right. got rid of the coach, Andrew Brunette, who had them running and doing everything that they needed to do last year offensively, but they wanted that strong defensive play. And as we see with some coaches, it just doesn't work. It's not a they don't fit. work with the players, and it doesn't look like it's working in Florida. It looks like when Mike Babcock was trying to slam the lid down on the Leafs and say, don't play offense, play defense, and the team suffered for it because – they didn't know how to play that way. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Burnett had them playing a certain way that got them a dang president's trophy and was one of the best teams. And oh, I don't even, I don't know why they did that. I just <laughs> it frustrates me. I'm not even a fan of theirs. I'm just like, it's why frustrating do you to think about the it. Best I agree. Coach? Yeah. Like it doesn't this guy did everything. You're the president's trophy winners. Mm-hmm. This coach did that for you. But no, let's bring in someone else new because he doesn't know what he's doing. Because we got beaten. In four games by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, by the way, were on the road to their third Stanley Cup final in three years. It's hilarious if you think about just—I wouldn't call it dysfunction—but if you think about from the time in which that they let go of um, former head coach Joel Quinville yep. as a result of the of the Cow Beach um, scandal, yep. to like to now, it's kind of been like a. A bit of a battle, or should I say, downhill, in terms of the head coaching situation there. Like it's, I'm truly amazed how how quickly things can change in hockey. Yes, On the yes. other hand, you look at the Boston Bruins, where when they when the Bruins fired Bruce Cassidy in a shocking move, the anger in this city and in, within this fan base was palpable. It, it like people, I was angry. Like I went scorched earth on Twitter, um, on on Don Sweeney and Cam Neal. I'm like, this was absolutely good. This was the effing wrong move. But they then turn around and they go hire Jim Montgomery, who, let's face it, he was a damn good coach when he, when he was with the Dallas Stars. Yep. Unfortunately, he had his battles with, with alcoholism that that he um that he overcame and learned from, and now he's got to be the front runner for the Jack Adams Award, in my opinion. Not because yeah. I'm a Bruins fan. But when you look at the system that he inst- that he installed in Boston, knowing that, hey, you know what? I want to introduce ideas. We're not going to tear the entire system down, no. But we're going to introduce some new concepts, some new ideas to the guys that have been here and have done that and see how it goes. And it's worked magically so far. One thing that he was very clear on, too, when he came in, that he's not trying to change the Bruins' way. Because that's what it is, the Bruin way that you guys have. All he said was, I'm just trying to add my part to it. That's it. And that's what he's done. And I yeah. think he's done a magnificent job. The only question mark I have, and it was the one at the beginning of the season, is how does Linus Hallmark hold up? And how does he hold <laughs> up through the playoffs? Yeah, he's looked that's great the only question left. That's the, the only, only thing question he has left. To pass is the playoffs. If That's he's the, only the same goaltender yeah. there, but we all know, like we already talked about, the pressures are different, the play is different, the style is different. He'll have more people in his face. So we'll see what happens come playoff time with Linus Allmark. I want to get your prediction for tomorrow night's game against mm-hmm. the Leafs. We'll get we'll wrap on this one. What do you think the final score is? You can homer it if you want. I think the Bruins. I, I want the Bruins to win. I really do. But there's something about this slump that I that, that has me thinking. Ooh. I think the Leafs may actually win tomorrow night. I think the Leafs may win this game three to two, and in overtime. I think, like I said, I do think the effort is going to be way better than than what it was against Carolina. And 
I do think that the Bruins will be able to figure some things out, but I do think that they'll lose in overtime to the Maple Leafs 3 2. Now, I'll say it like this if the Leafs come out and they don't match the energy of the Bruins, because the Bruins can get on. They will be coming off Star yeah. So if they don't match that energy, which they've they have and they haven't sometimes mm-hmm. against teams that bring that energy, they will lose and they will lose quickly. But if they come out and they match that and they weather the first, I'd say, five to seven minutes of the Bruins oh, yeah. and then they get into their own rhythm, which is what the Leafs do, once they get past the storm, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the Leafs will be able to eke out a 3-2 win or a 4-2 empty net kind of win and just go off into the break on a little bit of a high note. And it'll give the Bruins a chance to recalculate, Reset. get healthy, mm-hmm. look back. And you know what? They always say you learn more from losing than you do from winning. And by Absolutely. God, the Leafs have learned a whole crap load losing all these playoff series and losing to the Bruins. So hopefully they use some of that knowledge tomorrow night and take out the bees. Yeah. But uh, I'll be putting out a video tomorrow. I do before every single game. So I'll shout you out on that and have some fun. But I really appreciate you reaching back out and coming on with us. And if the Leafs and Bruins do play in the playoffs, we have to sit down. Oh, absolutely. And get you on that. Absolutely. It'll be my pleasure. Seriously, though. No, thank you, James, for having me on the podcast. It's been a blast, man, talking hockey um, here on this Tuesday evening. And I look forward to, um, to, to, to collaborating with you come the Stanley Cup playoffs for sure. Oh, we'll probably have you on maybe even after the trade deadline a little bit too, see what the Bruins sure. did. Yeah. But uh, I super appreciate your time. Tell everybody where they can find you, find your work, what you do, because obviously there's a lot of different tags in your profile. So obviously people can find you a lot of different places. Yeah, I appreciate that. You can find me on on the radio side on 91.5 WMFO. My on my, my radio show, Shukri, the Shukri Wright Show, is debuting in its little time slot tomorrow morning for the spring on Wednesday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And also you can find me on the Shukri Wright's podcast iHeartRadio, and across wherever you get your podcasts as well. You could also um, hear me and see me on Believe in Hub of Champions podcast, which is held and hosted by the Believe Network. You can um, you, you can find that on iHeartRadio and as well as find it on YouTube as well. And I'm trying to think of where, where else can you also find me. TikTok at Shukri Writes, and as well as Twitter is the same place at Shukri as well. Well, make sure to send me all of those links. I'll link them in the description of the episode as well. So that way people can click away and make sure they uh, check out and get their Shukri fix every single day. But again, I appreciate you swinging by. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.